Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome. The votes are in, the ballots have been counted, and we've officially selected a winner for our nautical flash fiction contest. But before the big reveal, I'd like to give one last thank you to everyone who entered. We had 50-some entries, and the final selection process was particularly grueling. Who knew a simple prompt of nautical horror could dredge up so much twisted terror from the depths of your minds? After much deliberation, and only a couple of knife fights, we selected one winner and three runners-up. Working our way up to number one, the winners are The Merrowman by Deirdre Gregg, The Gift of the Abyss by Andy Gooding Cow and The Curse of the Eldritch Mermaid by Helena O'Connor. And our grand prize, drumroll please, goes to Deirdre Gregg for her haunting, seafaring fright, Bells Made of Bone. Congratulations, Deirdre. So what's next? Well, our roster of talented narrators will get to work breathing fetid life into these horrific morsels. Then we'll assemble them into an episode and unleash them on you sometime in the coming months. 
Stay tuned for more details on when you can expect these dark echoes from the deep to come flooding into your ears. In the meantime, if you've got the itch to craft some more horrors of your own, and for a good cause even, there's a new charity anthology that could really use your voice. Published by Creature Publishing and edited by Nico Bell at Nico Bell Fiction and Brittany Garagatellis at The Bookslayer, this body horror anthology focuses on an extremely timely and relevant topic, body autonomy, with all proceeds going to support a charity for reproductive rights. Not only is it an exceptionally relevant cause, they also just extended the deadline for submissions, which is now August 1st. Even with that extension, I have a feeling that deadline is going to creep up fast, especially with the summer months officially upon us. So, if you've got a horrifically topical tale to tell, or some rage you'd like to channel into written form, best get on it. A link to the guidelines and how to submit is in the show notes. Lastly this week, while you're surfing the shadowy corners of the internet, why not stop by podcastawards.com and vote for your favorite horror podcast. Uh, that's us, by the way, in case you weren't sure. Voting is now open for the People's Choice Podcast Awards, and we'd love it if you'd cast one for us in the fiction category. Again, that's podcastawards.com. For tonight, we have one tale for you, which comes to us from Mob. Mob writes when they aren't bouldering or coding. They also run a weekly feature over on the subreddit Writing Hub, though they can't remember what they did to deserve it. Children of the Night, join me for Mob's Hunger, a Tales to Terrify original. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
The interview had been going some time. Devoid of a breeze, July's humidity choked the slaughterhouse with thick fingers. The plant floor might have had air conditioning, but my office was a different story. I sweltered in that metal box, fans arrayed against the heat. They didn't do much good. Beads of sweat dripped from my hairline. I always monitored rotations on the killing floor, you know, when our workers changed roles. Slipped in a few extra questions to make sure they're on the level. Caught more than a few weirdos. For Andrew Betnick, it was his smile that really got to me. It was broad to the point of obscenity, like his teeth were thrilled to be exposed to the day. He sat opposite my desk in splattered overalls, dried brown and pus yellow. Didn't acknowledge this stuffy room at all. Just perched there on his chair, smiling. You're aware that your work history will be examined to ensure that there are no signs of animal abuse. I work my way through the usual catchism, voice mechanical. I have nothing to hide. My previous employer would be of one mind. He spoke with his lips at a slight quirk, grin flashing under the strip lights. I raised a brow at his voice, posher than you might expect. Not something you see that often in this sector. Could you explain why you're seeking transfer? The money. <laughs> My turn to smile. Heard it too many times. I wasn't wrong about the wage, but folks don't last too long. The killing gets to them. Do you have any questions or concerns so I can help out with your transition? No, I do not. And last question now, I promise. I try to make a show of meeting people's eyes for the last one. It doesn't really mean anything, and I know that. But I like to think it sets the right tone. Do you have any reservations or issues with the nature of your work? Of course not. It's part of the natural world. Nature's order. A necessary hunger. I failed. I couldn't look him in the eyes. As he yawned between the clipped sentences, I found myself locked to the wiggling lump of his tongue, until a thought rose to swamp the rest. You're talking to electrified meat. I clambered out from my desk as an awkward mess. My attempt at a professional smile, weak, reached out a hand. He shook it. The hairs down my arm stood bolt upright in disgust. For all the world, his flesh felt like aged steak, firm yet giving, a stuffed leather glove more than alive. And despite the heat of my god-awful office, his skin was cold. Weather around these parts changes quickly. So, as September rolled around, the office swamp vanished without a trace, and I swapped the fans for a bank of space heaters. The owners had renovations carried out, stole half my sanity and drowned me in requisition forms and financial assessments. Not like it was a choice. I worked my way to the bottom of that day's pile on a drip feed of instant black coffee that qualified as a crime against humanity. Almost reached the desk when I found the complaint slip. Pale Cadet Blue or so an over-enthusiastic sales rep had explained. I just remember it being a bit cheaper and not liking the idea of red slips in a slaughterhouse. I called Clive aside at the close of shift, under the pretense of checking a report on one of the carcass lifts. I try to be one of those bosses who doesn't encourage gossip. A long-time worker, he'd never raised any problems, so seeing that blue slip came as a shock. Now, Clive was a Glaswegian lad, and I'd psyched myself up for some statement about insurance or workers' comp like he'd give down at the local, maybe even set up a negotiation with the owners. Now, he was a big man, not quite a brick shithouse, but his opening line came out soft. 
It's about the team. He had his hand to his throat as he spoke, and it took a moment to realize he was holding a cross pendant framed by his apron straps. I gave him my time, my notebook prepped to ensure there was a record. The owners liked everything well documented. Downright weird what that new lad's doing. A certain tongue rose to mine. You mean Andrew, right? Oi, I've been in rotation with him these past weeks and on the stunt team. He's on bleed. And, uh, hell, there's no way to say it. He's doing some weird shit with the animals. You're saying he's abusing them? It didn't sit right. Moment the words left my mouth. After the animal's been hit with a cattle gun, it's sprain dead. Not much abuse you could do after that. Clive's hand twisted on the cross, tendons in his knuckles popping. Not exactly. He forced the words out. He's saying things, whispering over them like he's praying. Sorry, Clive, there's not much I can do if someone's praying to themselves. My pen tapped a tattoo against the page. I'd say the same for you. Clive's hand shook on that cross till I thought he might tear straight through the rubber apron. There's something else, but I'm not sure you'll believe me. Try me. Don't be too angry, huh? He reached into the folds and withdrew his phone. I frowned. Clive, we don't allow recording. Yeah, I know, I know. Just take a look. In the video, a cow stood center frame. A neat and bloody hole punched clean through its forehead. The tinny tones of chanting passed from the speaker. Words distorted. The viewpoint pulled out and Andrew stepped forward, crooning as he held the knife. And I was ready to hand the phone back to Clive when the cow did the impossible. Its eyes moved. They stared up, pupils pulsating, in and out, wider and narrower to the beat of Andrew's dirge. Then the animal stepped forward, straining against its bars as it walked into the knife. A blur of steel, the chanting peaked. Andrew flicked his arm and blood jetted to the gutter. I stared at that screen long after the image faded. The nape of my neck prickled, skin crawling. I handed the phone back. You'll believe me now. I nodded. What can you do about it? What could I do? Let's keep an eye on them. Not sure how I'd even explain this, if I'm being honest. I bit my lip, tried to be fair. I can move you to a different section. Or you can stay and help me keep a lookout if anything changes. It's up to you, though. But Clive needed the money. Who did it? He stayed. And suddenly, I was spending a lot of my time paying attention to the killing teams. The guys down on the lines are a funny lot, and more even keeled than you might expect. Irregular guys, for the most part. Or they had been. You're not allowed to do things alone in the plant. They got a lot of dangerous equipment, and the cattle aren't exactly harmless themselves. You can get bitten, crushed, or gored even before one of the machines gets you. So everyone moves in teams, or failing that, pairs. Strict buddy system. I inspect the whole plant, stretch my legs. Make sure the overseers for each section are doing alright, and the medical assessment for new arrivals is up to task. Cattle, sheep, pigs, they aren't cheap things. Gotta be in good nick. I'd check cold storage, deboning, the awful clean, and I'd dip to the outbuilding to check on rendering an effluent. Emergency slaughter hadn't been used, so I only had the main floor left. Andrew's rotation. I wasn't looking forward to it. Clive was off, and without an inside man, I didn't have a choice. Couldn't bring up my concerns directly. If I'd taken that video to the owners, they'd have just had a go at Clive for filming in the first place. I strode through the drapes, past the rail dressing line, 
to the evisceration stage. Skin carcasses split in two hung from their hooks, and there was a familiar rank of bodies, a crimson tinge on the air, before the details caught up and tied me in place. Everything in the room stood still. The line, the men, the sound of the machinery. Suits in place, humanoid cutouts of white cloth and rubber boots. Some wore the chain aprons and gloves, bright yellow helmets, masks. Every last one stared straight at me, rigid, unmoving. Except Andrew, squatted at the bleed station halfway through a hoist, the control still in his hand. Out of all the workers, stiff, lab-coated marionettes, he alone crouched at ease. I didn't need to see through his mask. He was smiling. You guys all right today? My voice trickled out, shaken. It echoed back to me through that still room as though I'd yelled. He nodded. The motion spread, each bright yellow head dipping in acknowledgement as a wave across the room. And in the corner of my eye, the half-strung cow twitched its head, the gash in its neck weeping blood to the concrete. I flinched, backed away. Every last puppet watched me go, complete silence until the door swung back into place and the familiar juddering hum of the line rose up to drown the rush of blood in my ears. Get the fuck away, my feet said. And I loosened, let them hurry me back to my office at just under a run, clutching my chest. I moved the security feeds to my office, glued myself to the screens. The feed from the car park was the worst. Every Friday, all the workers would head for the pub. Not the shambling, chaotic mess of people leaving work for their one bender a week, though. No. They traveled as a pack, as an army of ants, equidistant and moving as one. They clambered into their vehicles and peeled off in perfect lines, like they were pre-programmed. And their sickness spread fast, transmitted to the other teams. White-suited figures paced the corridors in lockstep. Boots tapping out uncanny rhythms on the concrete. Regular, a drumbeat that burrowed through memory and fished out that video and Andrew's chanting all over again. It set flies buzzing at the base of my skull, insistent and impossible to ignore. I spoke to Clive a couple of times. He'd reached the point where he wanted to up and quit, and he wasn't the only one. Save for Andrew's lot, our herd had thinned. A few of the longer-term workers gone. Some called in, some just vanished. I didn't blame them. But it was my plant, my responsibility, and Clive was pretty pissed off about the betrayal of those he'd once counted as friends. Then the flyers started showing up, in the changing areas, after hours. These strange scraps of paper, mixes of religious verse and arcane symbols, strings of numbers and letters. Meaningless shit. Not hard to guess who'd left them but we didn't have cameras there and there wasn't anyone left on staff I could ask. I kept one of the flyers from the final batch for the records, but by that late in the process, everything took on this sense of inevitability. There are some things you just can't stop, you know? Breathing, drinking, eating. This is what the flyer said. They are the meat of life. Whomever comes to me shall not hunger. Whomever believes in me shall never thirst. For I am the hunger... I am the thirst, I alone feast, and the flesh of the many is given unto me. There had to be a hundred of these things, and my final closing check, there they were, 
spilling in drifts over every surface. Didn't want to touch them. Didn't have a choice. I fetched a dustpan and broom and set about the rustling piles, tipped the lot into a brown paper sack. Hunger, 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 and hunger, hunger. The word leered at me, crinkled and endless, repeated over and over again until it lost its meaning and branded a smiling mouth in my mind. My hands trembled, dragging the sack through the empty corridors, a letter-infected hive corpse to hurl into the welcoming pyre of our incinerator. It burnt with a tang of awful, a bloody votive, and I gagged on its smoke, curling from the furnace's glowing maw. Its tendrils licked me, clinging to my clothes. My skin crawled. I wanted it off. A ringing phone saved me. Simon! The background roar of traffic and the drunken babble of punters at the pub muffled Clive's voice. I can't take this anymore. It's unnatural. This whole job's just gone wrong. I'm gonna confront him. Okay, Clive, wait up. I can be there. Just don't do anything stupid. He chuckled. A fragile thing that didn't suit a man his size. Sorry, I don't really have a choice. We're a long way past stupid. And click. I ran, sprinted down the corridor and through the staff rooms, hit the light switches at a speed I hoped got most of them, and it wasn't until the silhouette of the plant was fading in my rearview mirror that I realized I'd forgotten the one to my office. Its lone spark peaked from one corner of the building, an amber eye staring bayfully after my flight. I took the winding country roads to the village at a speed that left burnt rubber on every corner. Winter had my headlight beam in on all sides, the air crystallized with cold darkness. The night swallowed me whole. I reached the pub, barely grabbed my keys out of the ignition when the front door opened and Clive emerged onto the street. He held a boning knife from the plant, already stained red. I jumped from the car. Adrenaline from the drive pushed me forward on shaking legs. He didn't look at me. Clive? The cold burned my throat, smarted on my cheeks. My harshened voice stabbed out. Clive! Half-blinded by the lights from the pub, I squinted at his shirt. It was torn open at the neck, blood soaking through the ripped fabric all the way down to his stomach. A crimson continent on the white, bone peaked a pale moonrise through the flesh. Cut into the corner of his chest, just below the collarbone, sat a single word. Hunger, it said, in skeletal characters. Clive stared straight ahead, eyes unfocused. My stomach dropped. His cross had vanished. Panic blurred my hands to clumsy mittens. I reached for his shoulder, brushed his shirt, opened my mouth to try again. His punch caught me in the ribs. Blackened skies spun past and I hit the asphalt with a thud. Coughed blood flecked bile, fought agony to drag air into my lungs. Woozy and off balance, I wavered to my feet, trailed after him. A smiling face watched me slink away from the pub window. I had no spare energy to curse it. The two of us staggered a stop motion of zombified lurches that barely counted as a pursuit. We entered the estate, past rows upon rows of cut-and-paste homes that dropped a toy town at the village's edge. Away from the hubbub of the local, the darkened windows of the streets watched us with a thousand glassy eyes. A block of flats hunkered against the sky. I dodged the lobby entrance as it closed, but Clive lost me at his flat, slipping through the closing door before I could catch it. I yelled. I kicked. I screamed for him to come out and rained blows on the side window until the glass cracked and sent needle shards into my bruised fists. And I didn't stop. What the fuck are you doing? 
The din had lured out a neighbor, head poked out from his lair, bristling, and raised eyebrows. I must have looked a mess. I kept my tone level, played it off. Clive's got a knife. I'm worried he might do something. It was true enough to get the balding cood out onto the landing. He stared at me with narrowed eyes, kept a phone badly hidden behind his back, afraid I might steal it. I've called the police. Good, but they won't get here in time. Help me with the door. My foot wouldn't stop tapping. He had to move, had to help. The response surprised him, flustered in the way that city people get when they don't know how to frame things. An out-of-context problem. He returned with a hammer. We smashed the glass. I reached in to twist the lock. Clive? The silence of the flat swallowed my shout. I hit the light switch with more force than it needed. Nothing happened. The hallway drank our vision, and the neighbor's breath ratcheted up behind me. Tension pinched my shoulders. I used the flashlight on my phone and shone it in. The beam didn't travel far, lost in hungry shadows. Blood buzzed in my ears. I tiptoed down Clive's hall, seconds lasting hours. The kitchen door hung ajar. Mounting panic pressed a stifling hand over my senses. My vision narrowed. My nose stung at scents that couldn't have been there. Umami flavored the air with a copper wash. Then my little cone of flashlight reached the dinner table, and the piercing scream from the old man over my shoulder silenced the buzz. Boning knife in hand, Clive was eating himself. His left arm hung uselessly at his side, flesh stripped to expose the bones beneath. They shone a soft cream under the torch's glow, dangling from the remaining cartilage. And the twisted characters on his chest throbbed angry red, feelers burrowing from the word, spidering through him. A blossoming infection, fruit not yet ripe. A jagged smile split his face, toothy and obscene. Squelches bubbled up from his jittering jaw, and the constant chewing spilt blood and spume from his lips. He swallowed, paused. His tongue spasmed in his mouth, coating shattered teeth with glistening saliva. I choked back bile and pointed the beam to glare against his eyes. A mistake. Clive's pupils pulsated in a lazy rhythm, from pinpricks to saucers and back again. A sickened bead I knew too well. His laughter sprayed fluids onto the dining table. Then, something spoke through him. A crude approximation of human speech that mocked the features they contorted. Won't you dine with me, butcher? I'm organic meat. I splattered vomit to the carpet. It gurgled and rocked, giggled and spluttered and choked, raised the knife to hack another gobbet from its shoulder and tossed the morsel into its waiting jaws. The words sank into me, fizzing and searing in my gut. Perspective warped, stripped the man and left only flesh. A thing sat opposite me, teased me with Clive's still-breathing corpse. Whatever it had become, it wasn't him. Would never be again. I had to believe it. My mind simmered, a widened smile, pulsing eyes, hunger, need. It was my plan, my plan, and my friend and Clive dead and someone was going to fucking pay. I chose anger over collapse. Not that I had a choice. I had to get back to the slaughterhouse, back to whatever hell Andrew had conjured. I ran. By the time I reached my car, lead ran through my veins and my lungs burned. 
I hung from the handle, scrambling for the keys. My pockets spewed them out. That chirpy bleep. I wrenched the door open, sprawled into the driver's seat with jelly legs. I tried to remember how to drive. Through blurry eyes, the familiar curves of the road twisted through funhouse glass, twirling abstract lines between ghostly farmland that leered from the banks. The slaughterhouse was silhouetted on the horizon as a waiting beast. Tires squealed. I skidded the car at its feet in a spray of gravel. The maw of the intake ramp gaped at me from beyond the empty pens. Its gates swung in the wind, hinges shrieking. Through the layridge, a concrete ramp unfurled as a bloated tongue. An invitation I wouldn't accept. Andrew! My raw throat cracked. Andrew, get the fuck out here! The worker's car sat in perfect curving lines, offset like a zippered smile. I stood atop its lips. They were here. There was no point in hiding. I wanted him dead. After Clive, after everything, I would have torn him apart on the car park gravel. We could agree on one thing. Nature loves violence. Needs it. But he didn't come. A quiet strain of laughter peeled from the building's mouth to slap me in his place. A discordant thing, sawtoothed like a broken mirror. Andrew! I shouted. It echoed back as dripping giggles. The howling from the abattoir shutter built into something organic and grating. It chimed with notes of tearing sinew and fractured joints, pressing down on me until my vision reddened, my ears rang, and my skin crawled. I knelt in an empty car park, gravel pulsing into my shins, alone. Alone and desperate and cold. The unfamiliar muzzle of my workplace had bared its fangs. I took my keys, went to the employee entrance. It was my plant. It had no right. The door should have creaked, let out some groan, but it didn't. It swung silently open on well-oiled hinges, and I stepped through to the short atrium. The lights worked, already shining from the recesses. The pages pinned to the cork notice board laid exactly where I'd left them. The colorful poster that should have been for the village fed. The dour warnings of the defra advisories that described their own manila envelopes. All fixed neatly in place. Except their text had changed. Morphed to match a more primal drive. A single word printed itself across every page in scripts that gnashed and gaped. Hunger had spread. My hollow stomach protested, lifting me on floating steps of rage. The changing room disgorged a paper slide of flyers, famished prayers sneering at me from the floor. I stepped on them with glee. The pamphlets had returned even denser than before, coating the benches and spilling from the seams of the lockers, as though they were ever going to stay burnt. I smiled, a thin-lipped thing in defiance of it all. Everything else seemed to be smiling. I was starting to see the appeal. Papers rustled beneath my feet as I slipped across to the far door and fell through. The pages didn't follow. They formed a cliff, neatly demarcated here from there. I toppled from the pile into this new space. We'd always had hanging strip lights. No longer. Grease coated the walls, the bulbs above flickering through the grime like oil lanterns. Muted rays sputtered, failing to illuminate the road ahead my vision stretching, the furthest point fading into the murk. And the passage went on and on, farther than the wall should have been, farther than the sight boundary. A subtle hiss from the hinges broke its spell. The door swung shut. I lunged, a clumsy jolt speeding its close, 
It hit the frame with a dead sound, aborted in the air, lost amongst an aerosol of grease. I tugged at the handle, slithered against metal and sweat and oil. It wouldn't open. Hard in my mouth, I turned to the waiting shadows, threw one foot in front of the other, scrambling for purchase on a floor wash with rancid tallow. It burned at my nose, clogged my lungs, until I coughed clots of fat that tasted of sweet decay. I wheezed. I stepped. I wheezed again. A grizzle smeared an achingly slow progression to nowhere. The walls warped around me. Their stark white paint retreated, breathing in my place. They beat with life. Squeezed my chest in harmony with the humor-slick throbbing tissue coating every surface. The passage narrowed, tightened around my body until the walls slobbered my sides, and the corridor choked on me even as I choked on it. The thud of my heart, my steps, and the creature I walked through droned in my mind. Structure fell away, slipped to background noise against the peristalsis of intestines that pulled me onward, and I recognized its rhythm. It wallowed in my mind, surfacing only to reveal its impossible scope before that music joined in my head. A chant-like dirge reverberating through that sickened passageway, rising and falling until the floor shifted. I tumbled forward, spinning head over heels, everything shifting around me, falling, directionless, until a flat peeled from the sides like an epiglottis to slap me through a hidden exit. It pinched like a birth squeeze. Brightness blinded me. A sickening crunch. I slammed into the ground, and my left arm screamed in agony so intense it stole hearing and stuffed my ears with a tinny whine. I sat up, and the limb dangled at my side. It was broken. A nauseating pulse joined the beat, and I coughed acid from my empty stomach. My head pounded, and the glint of the dressing rail caught my eye. The slaughter room's lights cast a blue-white glow over scrupulously clean blades. An inch of blood ran a lake across the floor, wet clots spinning in its eddies. At the cattle entrance, the animal trail from the stunning area had vanished. Nothing lay beyond the open shutter. No car park, no cars. An empty void that tugged at my eyes as I stared in disbelief. Light halted at the open frame. The barest hint of floor peeked through from beyond, blood flowing from it in wavelets to join the rest. Its crests lapped at my sodden shoes. I stood up, winced in pain. The chanting was stronger and closer than ever. It set the waves on the floor spraying ruddy foam into the air, a misted reek of gore that enveloped my tongue, all copper violence and sharpened teeth. I splashed across the room, a red lake spreading behind me. The portable cattle gun, the one for emergencies, hung where it should. I lifted it with reverence, its weight reassuring after a parade of nightmares. I checked the charges, stretched my good hand to thumb the release. Satisfaction honed my focus to a cold point. The noise beckoned. Only two doors should stand at the far end of the killing floor, heading to the butchery sections. One for the staff to enter, and one for the carcasses to leave. Life and death in two lanes. But a new gateway split the difference, the twisted chorus spilling from it, voices layered above the ever-present beat, and a sign above the header read hunger in twisted letters. My shoulders shook from a laugh I couldn't bring myself to sound. My arm trembled, raising nausea with the pain, but I couldn't stop. It was just too normal, identical to the bare steel frames anywhere else in the plane. 
Too ridiculous. So entirely matter-of-fact that anger fanned from coals to a searing flame that lit in my chest. Everything was wrong. Everything had changed. And it was all his fault. Beyond the arch sat an arena that did not fit on the floor plans. The missing workers stood like marionettes around a central depression, their mouths pulled taut into toothy grins, yet still chanting. The melody spiraled the room as their pupils swelled and shrunk to its beat. And in the shallow pit at the center, a hole like a lipless mouth gaped and twitched. Spurs of serrated bone blurred in a frenzy of motion. Great tongue-like tendrils lashed from the center in spastic fury. They caught in the teeth and ground to paste, but they spun on regardless. And the singers fared no better. A terrible nothingness moved through the room, eating without a mouth. Jaw marks bit clean through each singer. Organs exposed and pulsating before fresh flesh bubbled back to cover them anew. That fucker stood there. More object than person. Worse than both. His close-cropped hair filled my sight grew to shield me from the impossible horrors beyond. The fire in my chest stole pain, and I gripped the bolt gun until it fused with my skin. Andrew faced away from me, to the ritual, arm raised in prayer, a knife in hand. His skin sloughed free and bone was torn to mulch, only to squirm back into shape the next moment like clay. He didn't seem to notice as I walked up behind him, didn't flinch or step away as I pressed the barrel against his head and sent a shower of brain out into the space beyond. And through the neat hole, the remnants fluttered to the same pervasive beat like off-white jelly. He turned, those gleaming teeth still bared in a wide grin. His forehead had been blown apart, scraps of it hanging down over brightly shining eyes, yet he would not stop smiling. Then he stepped backwards tilting on the edge. We're all just meat, he said. And he looked so hungry. That was Mob's Hunger, as read by Matthew Bradford. Matt Bradford is a Canadian voice actor, writer, and editor who can be heard on the No Sleep podcast, ZombieCast, and Video Game Outsiders. Outside of the booth, he can be found chasing his kids, hunting down voicing gigs, and gaming into the wee hours. You can find him on Twitter at McFly. Thank you, Matt. Well, children of the night, the hour is late, and we've run out of tales to tell. For now. Tales to Terrify is made possible by the tremendous generosity of our supporters on Patreon and PayPal. Incredible fans like Kathy Robinson and Amanda Gottfried, whose generous support helps keep the lights on and flickering ominously. Not a supporter already? Head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify, 
where you'll find all kinds of perks like ad-free and extended episodes, bonus content, and one-of-a-kind collectibles and merch packs. Every dollar goes back into this show to make it as horrific as possible, and we appreciate it so much. Want another way to support the show that doesn't cost a cent? Head over to Stitcher, Podchaser, or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You'll not only put an unnaturally wide smile on our faces, but help new listeners discover our terrifying tales, too. Now you can share your love of the show out in the world with some Tales to Terrify merch. TalesToTerrify.com slash merch will take you to our Tee Public store, where we've got a great collection of creepy custom and curated designs that's always growing, so check back often. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Meredith Morgenstern, Andrew Gibson, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as we wet your taste for blood with more Tales to Terrify. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 